it's massive for me. It's going to be something that I'm not used to. I hadn't really written many, if any, scripts before. When you listen to your work on the radio, that's that's one thing. But I think hearing it and seeing it performed live and getting to see a live audience reaction, that's what you miss when you hear things on the radio. So getting to see an audience reaction, I'm really looking forward to that. I've experienced twice now short players being read script in hand. The experience of that... I just find it electrified, really. For me, it was to actually have one written and say, oh, well, I've done that, that's great. So to get something out of it was just fantastic. You get them little hairs on the back of your neck standing up and you God, this is fantastic. And I just want more of that. To then be able to see the end product will be even better. This is Arty Party. My name is Jay Sykes and welcome to our party. We share the work of artists and creatives living and working in the Northeast, whether grassroots, emerging or established, anyone's invited. Together we chat projects and passions, events and exhibitions, artistic practice and advice. So Saturday, November the 9th sees a culmination of a project which has been nurturing new playwrights in the city. It's called the Sunderland Stages Writers Project, developed as part of the Unlock Strand of Sunderland Culture's Great Place Scheme, aiming to develop talent and unlock potential in the Sunderland area. Five writers in Sunderland were selected to take part in this part of the project museum pieces uh, and the newly created work of these five writers is being performed at the Sunderland Museum and Winter Gardens in two Saturday's times. I hear that tickets for the, the, the second uh, of those two events are still available. Uh, three of those writers are with us today. Joining us live, Lisa Burns. Hi. Ray Hopkins. Hello, Jia. Jamie McLeish. Hi, Jia. So I'd love to hear from, from all of you, really, like how you found out about this, this opportunity and what got you interested in applying for it in the first place. It came to Homeside Writers, which I'm a member of, and, and Lisa as well, through Helen. I believe it was her sort of idea, her baby, which she developed. And over the year, the last, last sort of year, we've ended up visiting theatres all around the country. We've had workshops, workshops and talks yeah. from writers, directors, producers, programmers, and just sort of educating, like sort of myself and people who are not theatre writers, educating us as to what it actually takes and what's possible to be a writer for the stage. I mean, I love the sound of the fact that this project is so much about skills development and by a process of meeting other people and learning with and from them. Yes. These workshops must have been really, really engaging to, to take part in. It's not so much that. It's For me, I was never a great theatre goer. The only things I would go to would be like sort of pantomime that I took the kids to or the odd trip to see Grace at the MI because I've been dragged along. The diversity of the stuff that we've seen this year, initially from Helen taking us to them, through being enthused by visiting the theatre and, and wanting to know more and see a more varied style of theatre, you just realise that the, the possibilities are just endless, really, of, of what can be achieved on the stage. I, I agree with, with, with Ray there. I'm not part of Homeside Writers. I heard about it from a fellow parent at the school of my eldest daughter, Emily, and she sent me the link for the opportunity and sent my piece in pretty much blind, really, and got a, got a call from Helen. So I didn't have the, the workshops, etc. that you guys here have had. I wish I had. It sounds, it sounds excellent. I think it, they just brought us up to your level, I think, Jamie. <laughs> what it was. No, I, I can't do... I mean, writing for the stage, I'm terrible at description. 
etc. Mm-hmm. And plot. But um, di- <laughs> dialogue. Di- dialogue, I'm not so good at. No, dialogue, I'm, I'm not bad at dialogue. And I find that writing for the play, when it's, it is pretty much people um, firing off each other, spark- sparking off each other. But, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I really like writing for the stage with, you know, having dialogue, etc. And I find that not easier, but a lot more comfortable a lot of exposition and, and plot description, etc. Whereas so, I'm probably the other way around because my background's mainly fiction uh-huh. and I found the dialogue hard to get it to sound natural and not cliche. Right. So the workshops help with that. So yeah, I mean, I, I write a lot of sketches. It's not restrictive, but you do have to make sure that you get your story immediate and you've only got a two or three minute time frame yeah. to do that. And you've got to get the, the story and the gags in there within that time. So I think writing just a little bit longer form, 10, 15 minutes for the stage, it's a bit like, you know, it's like three or four sketches together. And I think that's helped me a lot, developing yeah. dialogue. So comparatively then, Lisa, I'm interested in how you found, you said that this naturalism that you found quite difficult to, to get yeah. used to, the dialogue. How did the process inform that development for you? I think it was about sort of keeping it, like Jamie said, really getting to the point, getting quicker rather than having all this backwards and forwards where nothing was really happening. Every line has to sort of do something. Every line has to move the plot on or show something about character or character development. And I think that was what was most useful for me was to know that you don't need these big conversations if they don't really go anywhere. You need to make sure that every bit of it is driving the plot forward. Three of the five writers who were included in the Sunderland Stages Writers Project at the uh, Museum of Winter Gardens showcase two Saturdays' time. Uh, that project is run by From Sunderland Culture, the uh, the head of performance at Sunderland Culture, Helen Green. Good morning, Jay. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm okay, thank you. I've had uh, a very good weekend in Amsterdam, so uh, I'm just raring to go for the rest of the week now. <laughs> Fabulous to have you on board. The very fact that you've taken your time out of today, which must be, you know, a tiring day for you, having flown all that way. Yeah, I don't think it was the flying that actually tired me out. (laughs) (laughs) The idea behind this all, of course, you've had many varied years in different uh, theatre production spaces, Sunderland stages being a main focus of yours over the past many years. What was the reason that you thought, I want to create a project to develop and nurture new playwriting talent that hasn't been done before in the city? Basically because performing arts in Sunderland, theatre in Sunderland, is such a relatively low level in comparison to other art forms like visual arts. So you've got very strong representation through places like Northern Gallery for Contemporary Art and the National Glass Centre. And even at Sunderland Museum and Winter Gardens, they have an art gallery in and they recently, they had the Leonardo exhibition earlier this year. There's only two performing spaces in Sunderland. One is the enormous Empire Theatre, which is a big commercial space and takes all the massive touring shows. And the other one is Art Centre Washington, which is the total opposite end of the spectrum in all sorts of reasons, in that it's tiny, but also it takes a very different programme. Small-scale touring, actually, to my mind, is actually much more interesting because people tend to be doing more interesting, original, experimental work touring at that scale, whereas the bigger you get... In terms of scale, that's when the money kicks in and it becomes more and more of a, a commercial operation. 
and is much more to do with money. What we've always missed in this city is a mid-scale space, not only for audiences, but also for the artists that would normally tour at that level. And that's not just theatre, it's also dance, but it's also music and, and comedy as well. We've actually started building, literally a few weeks ago, the new space, the Fire Station Auditorium. 450-seater. That, that mid-scale answer to what, what can fit in the middle between the big mm-hmm. performances and the mm-hmm. really intimate performances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I love what it potentially could mean for theatre in Sunderland. I hope think. so. I hope so. The thing about Arts Centre Washington is it's five miles out of the city centre. You have the A19 cutting right through in between Sunderland and Washington. And there is this funny perception that Mackhams have that Washington is like on the moon or something like that. And people, very few people actually go there. And so Sunderland Stages, to to return to what this was originally about, I originally devised that when I was Director of Arts Centre Washington because I wanted to showcase the sort of work we put on there. So I started putting a few bits of theatre, dance, spoken word into found spaces in Sunderland City Centre. But it actually became quite popular and became a thing in its own right and sort of took off. And so we were doing all sorts of amazing projects one that's just came up as a memory on my Facebook the other day was Southpaw Dance doing their Faust on the top floor of St Mary's Car Park, which was utterly fantastic. It's now sort of taking a step back as a project because there's other ones taking over, which will feed into the fire station, which I can't talk about yet. But always secrets with you, Helen. There's yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll get I'll get wrapped on the knuckles by people doing PR for Sunderland Culture. So <laughs> I think I don't know. <laughs> What I was trying to say is that we have a very small performing arts sector, professional performing arts sector, and if I can find ways of supporting people to develop their skills and their experience and nurture those, it's with a long-term sort of view because it ain't going to happen overnight, but it's hopefully the start of something that will gradually grow and that when the fire station's built as well, that will help provide opportunities for people. And of course, here are three of the five people who who are being nurtured as part of this program. Fair enough. We we are here now, and and we're the ones who saw the project. But there needs to be a pathway for other writers. They need to see where where they can go. And mm-hmm. this is just like one small step on the way to wherever Broadway or whatever. <laughs> and there's bound to be loads and loads of young writers in Sunderland who think that there's nothing here for them, and there isn't a sort of big enough theatre or space like a pathway for them to follow their dreams. I mean, things things are emerging over time, aren't they? We're seeing like uh, New Writing North, for instance, their new young writers program coming to Sunderland. It's previously yeah. been South Tyneside, as you taught it there. Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, some a couple in Northumberland and South Shields. But yeah, there hasn't been a writing group in Sunderland until recently. So that's really, really good. Aye. And then Homeside Writers as well, of course, two of you are part of that. And mm-hmm. then Laura Brewis's We Make Culture running the songwriters, the young songwriters. So we're seeing these things be- begin to emerge, at least. But there needs to be more, you think? Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Why not? Aye. The talent is there. They just mm-hmm. need someone to guide them in the right direction. And it's not just the writing, because make a piece of theatre, there's the more visible sort of careers like writing and, and acting and directing. There's a whole host of jobs behind the scenes, whether that's 
technical or in marketing or all sorts of things. What you see on the stage is just the tip of the iceberg, really. One of the things that Helen set us up with was to go behind the scenes and see a player in development, a young writer-actor from Crook called Jack Jarrett. He put it on at Art Centre Washington about three or four weeks ago, something called Blocks, Fellas and Gazers. The development stage was him in a room with his director. Mm -hmm. A couple of the writers went along just to observe and see the process of how it was developed. The initial sort of stage when I was there, which was on the end of the first week, from that he did a run through of the 50-minute the performance and then three weeks later when, when he actually performed it, he changed maybe about 25 to 30% of it. There was a lot of like sort of action and sort of choreography to figure out. He performed it so well. It was it was just one lad on stage by himself playing many parts. Mm-hmm. And it was someone's fantastically talented. But to see him being given the uh, the space and the backup of like a director, uh, because I believe, was he funded? Mm-hmm. Part funded for that? Yeah. yeah. See, someone as, as talented as, as what Jake is, these people need to be they need to be supported and encouraged. Here, here. Here, here. Yes. Here. I'd love to hear about that experience of working with other people to to realise these and what that process has been like for you all. I love it. I absolutely love it. The the thing is we all have like sort of these little dreams about being on stage and stuff like that. And I've got no chance of being on stage because being like ugly and sort of a horrible man <laughs> and stuff like that. And, um, oh my God, great. Yeah, this is so awesome. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I was just made up because I was just, didn't know what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> okay, listeners out there, we cannot see what Ray looks like. In my opinion, Ray is utterly gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. We really should point, not be going down this road here. Please, <laughs> please. The thing is, it's we're just writers and, and we've got words that we want to say and we need talented people to say them words, basically. That's the point that I was trying to make. Yeah, I think I think things like this, where where you do get to meet other people who are like minded and you mm-hmm. know yeah. have other creative ideas, it's it's really useful to get in touch with people, share hints and tips, resources, even, and get in touch with different people. You know, start networking mm-hmm. and, and build up contacts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Because what Helen was mentioning, and you you, you touch on yourself, Jay, about about funding things like that. I think that that can be a large barrier to people getting something out there. You know, you have the idea, you know, you show it to people, they they think it's great, etc. And it's, I think having some support as to about how to start getting it on his feet, you know, to, to a viewing audience, just even some direction as to try try this organisation, etc. Things like that are really important, as, as well as the, the creative help. I think the, as I said, the, the more practical help as well as to how to get something out there to present to people is very useful. Yeah, because you're saying there about showing it to people. And I think it's even hard to know who to show it to, you know, where yeah. do you send these yeah. things? Who do you contact? Because it's easy enough to have the the script or the sketch or whatever, and then it's like, well, I think it's all right, but what do I do with it now? So yeah. something like this gives you the opportunity uh, for someone else to read it and say, no, actually, that is good, and the, that's a real validation. I it's really f- good. From the outside, it can look a little bit like a closed shop. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like how do you get your how do you get your toe in the door? Even getting the encouragement, a phone call from Helen to say your piece has been chosen to be put on, it really lifts you, kind of thing. Yeah. Encourage it to, to to keep going and. Keep submitting to various places and keep searching for those opportunities as well, as well as to keep writing. 
So what was it like getting that that phone call from Helen? The moment you <laughs> oh, it was brilliant for me. I'd had a couple of missed calls and then a voicemail. And I was like, oh, what's that? Because I was at work. And then it was, oh, it's Helen. Can you give me a ring back? And I was thinking, okay. And then, uh, yeah, and it was to say that might have been chosen. So, yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was really chuffed as well. I was yeah. at work. Like, like, yeah, I was at work. Our phones cut out a couple of times with really bad weather and we lost connection a couple of times. So I thought, oh, she's going to just hang up on me now and not ring back. <laughs> but she did. And um, when you write something and you submit it, it's almost like Christmas. You know, you, it's not Christmas Day yet because you, 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 your piece hasn't been chosen, but it's the anticipation of, of that. It's like Christmas Eve waiting for it. To, and um, rejection is actually it's quite comforting because <laughs> you're used to it. <laughs> it's very familiar. But when you get something chosen, you're like, you're like, oh, hang on, how do I deal with this? But it is very encouraging to get something chosen. And, and I'm looking forward to hearing the pieces from everyone else as well because mm-hmm. you know, I don't know yeah. anything about those. So I think it'd be really, really good to have five different pieces yeah. which can be about anything. Some may be humorous, some may be serious, some may be, be moving. Be really, I've, really I've read one of the others. Have you? I've read Ian's. Right. And what was uh, like? did, did we match know the other writers were? Well, Not so there's, far. There's two other pieces. Ian uh, Rowan and Rachel, I'm going to butcher McLeese. the surname. What is that? McAleese. 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 Sorry. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 That's right. Apologize to Rachel for getting on the name wrong. No, I've read Ian's and it sort of almost made me cry. Almost. Oh, it but, was, but it's, not quite. It's, it's, well, I'm a, I'm a big butch builder. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that stuff. A lot of alliteration there. No, it's Ian's is a lovely. It's yeah, lovely. It is. Mm-hmm. He's in good company, though. He is. Yeah, yes, they were. Yes. I mean, I was absolutely staggered at the quality of the pieces that came in. And if we could have done them all, I would have. It's difficult that that situation where, fortunately, I wasn't on my own. I was with the aforesaid Laura Brewis of We Make Culture, who is also a great place producer for Sunderland Culture, and it's great place, the great place fund that has funded this. And Chinzia Hardy, who we haven't mentioned yet, who is from November Club, the theatre company November Club, who is directing this for us. Because what I wanted to do was provide an experience where we had professional actors and, and director doing the best that we could for these pieces to, to make sure that they could be realised to their full potential. Working in partnership with the November Club, with Chinzia, I wonder what the experience is like, not only for you guys as writers working with a director, but also for you as a programmer working with the November Club. Well, I'm also a producer. Hi. So in previous lifetimes, That's I've it. been with uh, producing companies, which is what November Club is so it was actually great sitting down with Chinzia last week and then sort of slipping into my old role as a producer and as talking about what props are needed and do we need lighting states for this and and that when asking these three about working with more people they're not quite there yet and next week would be really interesting because that's when they get to meet the actors and listen to the actors uh, and and Chinzia and I I think certainly I'm not sure about you Jamie but certainly for Lisa and, and Ray who are used to writing prose, mm-hmm. basically, yeah. which is quite a solitary experience, isn't it? Yep. Mm-hmm. And the whole point about theatre is is it's it's a, a group product. It's not just the product of the writer. Everybody else brings their creativity to the, yeah. the board, and I yeah. think that will be very interesting for you, I hope. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've written sketches for um, Paul Dunn and Vanessa Curran's Happy Yahoo. It was um, helped out by David Foster, who used to do a lot of the voices, etc., mm-hmm. and... You can really see, even if you write something that's 
just average or you know it's, it's not your best when, when it's performed well it really raises the bar and it you know it can it can come across fantastic they, they can turn something that's mediocre into something that's that shines kind of thing and i think that having a good director and actors you know i'm looking forward to, to work to meeting them i don't know if you've, you've both worked with people like like that way but um, no, you know, no, it's, no, it's brilliant to, to see the way, the way the interpreters. I was thinking of how precious I would be with the words that I've written, but really you've got to sort of respect the people who have mm-hmm. now got to take it on. I've done my bit. There it is. Do what you can with it. And yeah. I have heard other and writers you've, you've got You've got precious. to put trust and... and yeah, it's a collaboration, yeah. isn't it? You've, yeah. you've got to... You've got to empower people yeah. to, to take it on and, and make it as good as what it can be. Mm-hmm. It's a sort of joint thing, really, in that it's it's your writing, and so you protect it as much as you can. Because if you feel that they're losing what you were aiming to get at with that yes. writing, then you you protect that as much as you can. But you might get sit down with the actors for the first read through and realise that actually a bit of dialogue doesn't act when they when it's coming out their mouths. Actually, yeah. that doesn't work, and they'll suggest it probably before you even suggest mm-hmm. it. To ask you more about that, Jamie, as well. From Paul and Nessa's Happy Hour mm-hmm. into Grin Up North on BBC Newcastle. Yeah. What it's like working in a team to collaborate and, and uh, make these sketches happen and reading it off the page, like the it's, changes between writing and performing it. It's, it's lovely. I mean, as I say, I, I write with my, my writing partner, Andrew Kirkwood. Years ago, we had just one sketch on Jesting About, which was on BBC Newcastle as well. And we were cock a hoop. You know, we thought we've made a kind of thing. We're just waiting for the, the two series sitcom deal from the BBC. But that never arrived. Then we heard about Grin Up North and we've had over over 100 pieces of comedy broadcast on there. But when, you, when you're working with such wonderful voice actors, you go away and you start writing specific sketches for specific voices, etc. It's a real aid to have that voice in the back of your head, knowing that person's intonation and the different things they can do. And you, you start shaping your sketches around them and things like that. Like Ray suggested, though, you, you can't really be precious because sometimes a, a sketch is read in the room and it falls flat or people make, make suggestions to improve it. And I think that that's where I touched on earlier. I think collaboration is a, is a real a real bonus for the type of thing that we're doing. And I think that as a writer, being able to collaborate with actors and producers, directors, it's very useful because everyone's only wants the best for the piece. And I think the, the more creative minds you've got to hone that into the best thing it can be, the better. Lisa, Ray, how about you? When you write, do you write with like a voice in mind? Who's going to be reading these out? Um, no. No. no, I don't think I do either. Hopefully that would come in the future. But obviously I'm just in the initial stages of writing for the stage, so getting the idea down and have that say what I wanted to say. Anything else is up for artistic interpretation, really. So I guess then Helen Green, as head of performance for Sunderland Culture, that when devising this programme, when coming up with all the activities, the workshops, the sessions, a thought was how do you enable writers who've worked in other forms of writing to write for theatre. So there must be some key challenges in that. Yeah, what I wanted to do was do a... I described it as a crash course in theatre for people who already wrote, but putting theatre on is such a weird place to be, really, (laughs) and is so different from from what they will have been used to in, in writing for themselves. And because it is such a collaborative process, so very alien to what they would have been used to. So I wanted to give them different perspectives on what it was like in the theatre. So first up was talked by three very different writers. Steve Gilroy, who specialises in sort of verbatim theatre. Ishi Din. Ishi's fabulous. He's a 
taxi driver from Middlesbrough who's gone on to do lots of wonderful things, very realistic, sort of gritty Middlesbrough-based drama. And Laura Lindo, who is just wonderful <laughs> and is, is a big name in the northeast and has, has had lots of things at all the major theatres. But then also getting a director to talk about directing for the stage. Joe Douglas from Rive Theatre came to talk about that. But then there was an absolutely fantastic person who came and talked about producing in the theatre that nobody listened to at all. And programming. And programming. Yes. Um, I wonder who that could be. Somebody just not a million miles from from (laughs) where I'm sitting. (laughs) That was the one talk of those that I came to, actually. I was hoping to make it to issues as well. I was, yeah. Were you listening? Because nobody else was. (laughs) I was listening. I loved it, you know. Did you? I was like, God, I wish I was working in theatre now. And I, I love the ethos and the energy, so I really enjoyed that workshop. Good. Thank you, Jay. <laughs> and you prepared for it as well. Thank you, yes. Much yes, more than George Douglas did. He just turned up. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes, I mean, I teach audio production and audio drama as well at the University of Sunderland. In fact, I'm teaching tomorrow. And sometimes the lessons are just a case of working with what is brought to the session rather than preparing something yourself. Like tomorrow, for instance, I'm going through scripts that have been submitted with the students and developing them and and like reading them out together. And I find that that process, maybe that's Joe's approach. It's coming in and seeing what we've got to work with. To be fair, he he turned up and he didn't prepare and he was really good. So, you know, some people are just talented at stuff. Shout out to Joe Douglas. We love you. Yeah, yeah. Have I pulled that one out for you? I think you have. Well, you said it. (laughs) I saw your face and I was like, (laughs) That was to sort of give a sort of overview of of writing, directing, producing, just the sort of various things you go through to to start getting a piece of your writing onto the stage and that the initial key people are the director and the producer. And then after that come the actors and uh, lighting designers, sound designers, set designers, costume, all the actors, you know, Mm. stage management, technicians and all that sort of business. So considering that at this stage we're about to go into the part where we're working in partnership with the actors to to realise this and knowing that it's about a week and a half away, two Saturdays time in the Museum of Winter Gardens, Mm. how are we feeling about walking into this next chapter and then seeing it? I'm really excited. Yeah. Yeah, really excited. Just hoping the audience enjoys it. Yeah. 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 No, I'm really excited. It's cost us a fortune in tickets. <laughs> people say, buy us a ticket, buy us a ticket. So I'll be buying tickets for people and send us the link for that. Oh, no, no, uh, right, they that. could actually pay buy back. Their own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, they could. Controversial. <laughs> they could. I have to say, Ray is almost a one-man audience development person <laughs> himself. You brought a load of your mates, didn't you, to the theatre the other week? Yes, I did. Uh, who... a, a lot of them... It'll have been their first time at a theatre. And probably their last as well. So just that was Jack's. It was. But that's how it happens. I can bang on again and again, come to the theatre, come to the theatre. It's actually people like you getting your mates to come and see it. Mm -hmm. That is where it really works. Well, I mean, this is the same that that there's going to be people who come along to this to see my stuff. They might have been there. Like I said, they might have seen Ghost or whatever, or Mamma Mia, or something like that. But like they'll have not seen anything like this, especially in the format that it's in, mm-hmm. with the audience travelling around the around the museum. 
to see the different paces. So this should be a big eye opener for a lot of people. The Sunderland Stages Writers Project Showcase. The museum pieces at the Sunderland Museum Winter Gardens. I believe, Helen, that there are still tickets for the second of the two events available. Just a handful, yeah. I mean, okay. it is... It, Get in it, there it, quick. It's because we are going to perform in some... Some of the spaces are very small, so the ticket numbers are very limited. Because if we had too many people in there, you just wouldn't be able to see. So it sort of ranges between small and larger spaces, but we've had to keep the audience size to cope yeah. with the smaller spaces. I'm looking forward to seeing how that works. You know, having the, the audience around the, the different spaces, etc., um, movement moving around. I think that I could really aid pieces, you know, obviously and identify with, with the piece that has been, or the person that has been written about. Well, this is why I, told, I, I chose Chinzia, right. because... Chinzia is the queen of what I call site-specific. Uh-huh. She refers to as site-responsive. But if you're doing a piece of theatre, particularly within a space, a found space that's not on a stage, and she just knows how to move an audience around without it being obvious that you're sort of being manoeuvred, because I'm going to be the person leading the audience, I think. Mm-hmm. So I'm in her hands as well to tell me how to do it. So that would be quite good. Have you done anything like that me. before? You know, where you, where you have it rather than on the stage where you've had it in a in a space like that? Have I done it myself? Probably at some point. Right. The best piece of theatre I have ever seen was a promenade performance of the Mysteries. And with, you know, the medieval mystery cycle that was done by the National Theatre in London. But they took over the old Lyceum Theatre and they did, just did it on the floor of the theatre. So all the audience were just milling around almost like a medieval audience would be. Mm-hmm. You'd suddenly find you were somebody right next to you acting. Mm-hmm. And you're, oh, my God. <laughs> but they, they sort of manoeuvred the audience so perfectly and it just worked so well that I, I'd actually be talking about perhaps doing a mystery cycle in Sunderland at, at some point in the not-too-distant future on those lines, which would be, mm-hmm. which would be fantastic. Yeah. Heard it here first. We'll, we'll we'll come back with phase two of Sunderland Stages Writers, Writers Project. Phase oh. two, Helen, what's phase two? Is it like the Avengers kind of thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 This time it's personal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm formulating it gradually. As we speak. As we speak. I mean, literally as we speak. Literally, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now, I've got lots and lots of ideas. It's really what works best for the writing community and what progresses theatre in the city, really, is sector development, Aye. basically. Because this has got to be, and I love that you've approached it this way, this is sort of like a pilot year of the project. You're taking five people and it's a way of like testing out what works, what could build, what could grow. And we've been talking about earlier, like when you move into stage two, what potential other avenues you could explore? And there's so much. Yes. I mean, the obvious way to go is to ask those people who have got through to this sort of part of the project. I mean, these plays are 15 minutes long, so the obvious progression is to make them full-length plays or or to write a full-length play, not necessarily this. That is an obvious way to go, but then... It's whether we develop those people or whether we widen the net, so to speak. It's which, which you do. Uh, both. Hey, which well, we both. well, it's the funding. It's always mm. the yeah. funding. <laughs> and we've managed to do a huge amount with a tiny bit of money, really. So it's yeah. sort of making the most we can of that. It was interesting that Rufus Norris's lecture the other night talked about the lack of funding and focus 
Yeah, that's that's the artistic director saying that about the National Theatre. Yeah. I don't know what did they get? How many million did they yeah. get? Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, that far is filtering down to regional level. But me and Rufy Baby, we're <laughs> best mates now. Rufy uh, Baby, Rufy Baby. Oh my goodness! Um, and he's committed to bringing a large-scale community play, working with the National and us in Sunderland in 2022. And he said that in front of a room full of people, didn't he? He did. Yes. He did. So I'm very excited about that. All developments happening here. I love seeing like the changes that are happening in Sunderland. And I love especially for yourself as well, Ray, as we were talking about earlier in terms of audience development and reaching new people. You were saying, Helen, that Ray was like a, a one-man promotional space that is bringing so many new people into the theatre. And that is, again, another strength of something like this, especially being in the museum space. People might see it that have never even thought about going to see a piece of like straight theatre, you might call it, or original writing. But the, the thing is, getting these people through the doors for this one time is one thing, but we've got to give them something else to come back to. Other projects like this, yeah, spaces where keep the momentum. Yep. We've three minutes till the end of the show now. How are we as writers going to be continuing with this momentum, and, and what's next for you? I've got two or three plays of different length in, in development, some finished, some kind of partway through, writing either on my own or with friends, etc. or fellow writers from Green Up North. Really excited about a couple of those. So like we touched on before, I think it's just trying to find appropriate opportunities to submit and people to submit those to, really. So continue writing sketches and, and plugging away with, with plays. Thank you, Jamie. For me, the play that has been performed on the night, I'm thinking of developing that into a longer piece. Maybe it's like about an hour, something like that. Plus there's something else that Helen's made me sort of promise to write, which is about builders. <laughs> um, I'd sort of resisted for ages, but then I sort of came up with an idea which I really like. Can I just say that I mentioned that to Rufus Norris the other night and he just went brilliant. Oh, good old Rufy. <laughs> <laughs> me and him were like that. <laughs> Lisa Burns, what's next for you? I think I just want it to be the start of me writing more scripts and more plays. I would ultimately, I'd like to write a longer piece. I just find getting the ideas in the first place is always a massive block for me. Once I've got an idea, I'm happy to go off and run with it and, and work on it. But it's, I seem to find I just wander around aimlessly trying to find an idea that just, you know, will just appear. When that idea does appear, then uh, I'll be onto it. <laughs> All three of you, thank you so much for being part of this project and for joining us here on Alti Party today. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. And to Helen Green, Head of Performance at Sunderland Culture. We've had you on the show so many times and thank you for being back. But you are, I mean, I love the work that's happening in Sunderland Culture and the, what you're doing to this city. So, you know, thank you for existing and so forth. Well, we, we carry on and keep fighting the good fight. Onwards and upwards. Onwards and upwards. Uh, if you do want to go check this out, the Sunderland Culture website, perhaps? Yes. www.sunderlandculture.org.uk Search for museum pieces. Yeah, that's yes. what I did. <laughs> that's, that's been Arty Party. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Thank you. Arty Party is made possible thanks to support from our five generous Patreon supporters. That's Sister Shack founder Tel Irby, photographic artist Joe Howell, Trilife co-founder Nikki Kaur, visual artist Stephanie Smith and audio producer Laura Willis. And our live events and website are supported by funding from the Arts Council England and the National Lottery Heritage Fund through the Unlock Strand of Sunderland Culture's Great Place Scheme. <laughs>